now, from the Mousecapade Studios, here are your hosts. Happy holidays, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Brad. We pray that you're all staying safe, happy, and healthy. This is episode 575, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Before we get started, we'd like to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on just about any budget. It only takes a $200 refundable deposit to hold your reservation. Call us today for a free quote. Today we have a special episode for you because the topic is a Disney event that is near and dear to our family's hearts, and that is the Candlelight Processional. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, this event is not happening this year at either Disneyland or Walt Disney World, but that gave us even more of a reason to do a show on it, so we're going to share some insights from a couple of official Disney historians, and we'll also be playing some actual audio excerpts from last year's 2019 Candlelight Processional at Epcot. Okay, Vic, so when we were coming up with ideas for our December shows, you had mentioned doing an episode which focuses on the Candlelight Processional. I was all in for that because Candlelight's one of my favorite events that Disney presents each year. So before we really dig into the heart of the discussion, Vic, can you give us a brief summary of what Candlelight is? This may help some of those who are unfamiliar with it or who maybe have never even heard of it. If you've been listening to our show for a while, this is an event, the Candlelight Processional, that we attend usually on Christmas Eve because... We are a family that always went to Christmas Eve service. And when we started going to Disney World, this became our Christmas Eve service. And it has a lot of the same songs that uh, isn't a traditional Christmas Eve service. And so it's a 45 minute show and it retells the Christmas story through song and scripture. It features a huge choir and it's not just Disney cast members that are in it. It's uh, choirs from all over, I believe. I know most of them come from Florida, but I believe they come from other states as well. And then there's a symphony orchestra, a fanfare of trumpets, handbell ringers, and a celebrity narrator that joins the choir during this holiday tradition. Generally, Disney picks celebrities to come and read the Christmas story. They can be from Marvel, Pixar, Star Wars, sometimes even Disney movies. These are called contract obligated narrators, but other times the narrator is simply a famous person or well-respected Disney legend who has nothing to promote in themselves. One of the 2019 celebrities that read was Neil Patrick Harris, and he has become an annual narrator of the show. I believe Gary Sinise and Whoopi Goldberg also are annual readers. I don't know if that's true about all of them, but I know that we generally see those three names over and over every year to read the story. And another example would be Jody Benson. She's connected to Disney, but she didn't have anything necessarily to promote, but they brought her in to do one of the narration readings. It was really good. So Vic, just from the description, I loved all of that, what you said about it. And we haven't even really talked details yet. And I've often wondered about the origins of this event. So I learned some pretty magical things when researching. Uh, I was especially curious whether it was one of those events that Walt Disney himself was directly involved with. And Walt Disney historian and Disney Parks blog author Jeff Curdy was interviewed in December of 2019 about Candlelight 
where he talked about why it was so important to the man himself, Walt Disney. And here are Jeff Curdy's comments. Basically, he said that when Candlelight started, Walt had just become a grandfather. So the Disney family would gather together at holiday time in Disneyland and watch this on Walt's private deck at his apartment on Main Street. And it's from that vantage point they would watch Candlelight. Walt absolutely loved it, and the event really became a symbol of the season. And Curdy goes on to say that over the years, the tradition grew and just became bigger and better. So, wow, that's some pretty special history. And knowing that this was something that Walt himself cherished so much, that makes it all the better for me. Because there are very few things that still remain in the Disney realm that Walt either directly oversaw or was directly involved in. And this is one of them. So that's very special. So just from Curdy's comments in my mind's eye, I have that mental image of the Disney family gathering together on Walt's private deck and just watching it. It's a very special image in my head. I don't know. It just makes me like it even more now that I've read that. So Vic, first, I'll go ahead and let you comment on any of what Curdy just said. And then second, uh, what is it about candlelight that's so special to you? I wholeheartedly agree. However, before you researched this, I did know that it was something that was special to Walt and something that he wanted instilled in the parks. And I am very, very grateful to Disney for keeping it because, like I said, candlelight processionals have always been a part of our family's tradition as far as at least Christmas Eve. Um, I know some families do it at different times of the year, but it's just a big deal for us. And when we went there on Christmas, I was kind of bummed thinking that that would be one thing that we would have to give up when in fact it isn't. It makes me happy to know that Walt was involved in the candlelight processional idea from the very beginning. And now that it's being carried forth in both Disneyland and Disney World, all because of an idea that he wanted to have for his family and he thought was important for families to gather and celebrate. Yes, for sure. Although the candlelight processional is presented in both Disneyland California and Epcot in Florida, there are some marked differences. So let's first talk about Disneyland California, and then Vic, I'll let you talk about Epcot in Florida. So this is Disneyland California. So the candlelight is only held four times total during the entire Christmas season, and it's a very private, intimate affair. And so they set up seats, which are reserved for quote unquote invited guests. And those are typically Disneyland VIPs like Club 33 members, media, or high profile Disneyland guests. Basically how it works is if you don't already know how to get seats, you're not getting seats. There are no dinner packages, no standby line for regular guests, no ticket lottery, nor are there any means of becoming a quote unquote invited guest. And because of that, Disneyland does not publicize the event. There are typically no posts on the parks blog, social media, or elsewhere until after the event is over. And that's why information on Disneyland's candlelight is so scarce. As far as location, it's held at the front of the park, plainly visible to guests entering. And so guests who camp out in town square can get a good view of the show as long as you're in a designated seating or standing area. Now, there are strictly enforced limitations on where you can and cannot stand or sit to watch. So if you're trying to wait and watch in a thoroughfare, the 
crowd control cast members are going to bust you. They're going to make you move on. You can't just be standing around just watching that in a main thoroughfare. And it should also be noted that if there are empty seats, Disneyland sometimes, sometimes allows regular park guests to fill them. But that's absolutely not a guarantee. And you cannot bank on that. And so if you're interested in the candlelight at Disneyland, it does come down to the parade route. That's going to be the biggest bang for your buck. So the guests line the curb on Main Street shortly before the processional starts. And it's a special moment that you can take in and enjoy with a very small time commitment. Like you don't have to camp out. That just kind of happens naturally. The curbside people gathering. So that's some basic information about the Disneyland one. Now, Vic, I'll let you talk about the Epcot one. Well, before I start, I want to talk about the fact that that is really sad to me that they're making this birth of Christ a an invite only thing because the story of Christ in itself is supposed to be open to an invitation, open invitation to everyone and Disneyland's making it that. So I'm glad that it's not that way. And I will talk more about it in just a second when I begin talking about Epcot, which is where we've always watched it. One of the reasons that might be the case for Disneyland is it's a space nightmare at Disneyland anyway. I mean, I think if they were to open that up, it might be a complete, you, no one may be able to enjoy it, which I think is why they might make it like that. I don't know. I hope if we learned nothing else during this pandemic, maybe they learned that in California and they will make it or then move it to another venue where it's bigger, where more people can come. Yeah. Because it is so important. So um, a few things about the Candlelight Processional and Epcot, and there are just a few, but they are some major differences from Disneyland, which I did not really know until just now. So generally there are two performances per night at Epcot during the Christmas season, which means there's far greater total number of performances that happen in Florida than in Disneyland because they only had four where they have two a night and I believe it starts um, November 27th and runs all the way to December 31st typically not this year of course because of COVID. Um, It is more guest friendly offering that tries to accommodate the high level of demand for the show we know this for a fact. Uh, We have tried to get dinner packages but those are something that um, well let me talk about dinner packages first. So Disney dining packages are available, which means you can choose certain restaurants that allow these, and then you're given a special ticket so that you can go and wait in the dinner package line, which allows you to go into the um, candlelight processional first, which means you're going to get a seat, and it's probably going to be a great seat. We have tried in the past to do that, but those are very um, high-valued tickets, obviously. So we've never been able to get a reservation that allows us to get in that package line. So we have stood standby and Disney World does an amazing job of trying to fit as many people as they can in there because I know there's been a couple times where we came upon it, even if it wasn't a time we were planning to watch it and we could watch it from back in the back, not in a seat, like behind the venue itself. But now I'm sure that wouldn't be allowed, which is probably why they're not having it this year because it does draw a huge crowd. Um, This event is much less intimate by nature since regular guests are allowed into the venue, but that does not make it any less special. And I love that um, you're encouraged to sing along for us, as the listeners probably know, we are a very musical family and um, a lot of the songs that are in this production are songs that we've sung either in choir or at Christmas time or in college. We've sung them 
and we know the words to them. So singing along with them just makes it a little bit more special. But the bottom line is that Disneyland version is more true to the roots, whereas the Epcot version has opted to be a more guest-friendly offering, which I'm grateful for. Like I said before um, I started was that the invitation to church should be open to everybody. So I feel like I understand the part of crowding at Disneyland, but I think that they maybe should rethink that part. It's hard to fault either version for the approach that they do. However, um, I wish both versions could be offered to as many guests as possible because it is an important thing for all to hear. Very, very true. So that's kind of some of the differences between the two. As far as the history itself, uh, I found a really cool clip from Becky Klein. Uh, she's actually a, from the Walt Disney Archives, and this was recorded just over a month ago on November 16th of this year. And so she talks through just a brief history of candlelight at both parks in California and Florida. And so we're going to take a listen to that right now, and then we'll be back with you afterwards to introduce some of the actual audio clips from a candlelight performance in 2019 at Epcot. So here is Becky Klein, Walt Disney Archives. Hello and happy holidays from Disneyland. I'm Becky Klein from the Walt Disney Archives. Now, even though Disneyland is closed today, which is why I'm able to remove my face covering, I'm excited to bring a bit of holiday joy to you at home. Tis the season for one of my favorite Disney events, and I'm sure it's one of your favorites as well, candlelight. Now, even though Candlelight is not being presented at Disneyland or Walt Disney World this year, it still fills our hearts with light and joy. In fact, the Candlelight Processional and Ceremony is one of the oldest and most beloved traditions in the over 65-year history of Disney parks and resorts. Today, I'm joining you from Town Square at Disneyland, where it all started. Now, just imagine, it's December 22, 1959, at Disneyland, and Main Street USA is a holiday wonderland. A dapper looking crowd gathers along the side of the street as Walt Disney himself leads the parade of all nations as the Grand Marshal. Then a hush falls over the street as a massed choir of 2,574 robed singers, each carrying a lighted candle, processes down Main Street singing the glorious Christmas hymn O come all ye faithful. It might not be that hard to imagine because a version of that procession is presented every year at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Candlelight actually has its roots reaching back to the very first holiday festival at Disneyland in 1955, four years before that scene I just described. On November 25, 1955, a group of 12 Dickens carolers and a 300-member masked guest choir stood on the train station steps, the very same ones behind me, and sang Christmas carols accompanied by the Disneyland band. Then, in 1957, following the Christmas Around the World parade, 900 singers processed from Fantasyland through the Sleeping Beauty castle while singing Adeste Fidelis. The plan was to end at the plaza where a choir would form a circle in the street. Well, you know what they say about best laid plans. The holiday event at Disneyland became so popular that there wasn't enough room for them to form the planned circle. But they didn't let that stop them. They informally grouped around the Disneyland band and continued their short concert with Hark the Herald Angel Sings and Silent Night, 
two songs that guests still enjoy during candlelight today. In 1960, the event was moved back to Town Square, where it remained for years to come, with coral bleachers set up on the train station platform and steps. For the very first time, a celebrity narrator joined the celebration, which has since become a staple of candlelight. Actor Dennis Morgan was invited to read portions of the Christmas story in between the classical hymns. Another candlelight tradition was begun that year with the first living Christmas tree, a stunning visual centerpiece for the massed choir. The spot of the living Christmas tree went to a visiting guest choir until 1982 when the Disney Employee Choir was created. This place of honor is a spot that they have held ever since. Over the years, Disneyland's candlelight has grown from a simple procession of candlelit carolers into a magnificent classical concert featuring a thousand voice choir, the living Christmas tree, the Disneyland orchestra and fanfare trumpeters, guest bell choirs, soloists, sign language interpreters, celebrity narrators, and guest conductors. When the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World opened in 1971, no one could imagine a Disney Park Christmas without the candlelight procession. It wasn't until 1993 when candlelight moved to the America Gardens Theater at Epcot, where it's held every year from Thanksgiving through the new year. And like in the early days, the Voices of Liberty at Epcot perform as Dickens carolers during the event. Since 1960, when the first narrator was introduced, guests have come from around the world to see some of their favorite movie stars, singers, TV personalities, and entertainers share the Christmas story. Many Disney legends, including Dick Van Dyke, James Earl Jones, and Whoopi Goldberg, as well as other familiar faces like Lin-Manuel Miranda and Chris Pratt, have had the honor of narrating Candlelight. Since 2011, Neil Patrick Harris has been a fan favorite narrator at Epcot. Whether you experience it at Disneyland, Walt Disney World, or from the comfort of your own home, Candlelight is a much-loved annual holiday tradition for both guests and participants. Many come to hear the glorious music and view the spectacular decor, but for all of its grandeur, Candlelight is particularly beloved for its simple message of peace on earth and goodwill to all. So I love how they walk down the street singing and I wish that they would do that. I don't know where exactly they're coming from when they're at Epcot. It looks like they're coming out from where the bathrooms are at the American Pavilion, but I know that's not where they're at. There must be like a room back there behind stage or whatever where they're housing the choir people. And honestly, that could be where we were when we sang at Disney. I have no idea. I don't even remember. And it was when I was in college. You would think, I guess I was so excited to be singing at Disney World that I didn't even pay attention to where we were. But uh, nonetheless... I do kind of wish that they were singing Christmas carols just for the people that can't get in or don't have a space. They could still see the, the choirs processing by. And the other thing that I liked, a cast member's choir. And that is what does the living Christmas tree. Uh, when I was little, they had living Christmas trees in churches around here. We never had a living Christmas tree at the church where I was growing up. But I always remember because I love to sing that I wished I could sing in a living Christmas tree. And then when we moved to Georgia for that short time, 
our church was not big enough to have a living Christmas tree, but I always thought, wouldn't it be great if I could sing in one of those? And so that's just another reason as to be a cast member to me is to have the opportunity to sing in the candlelight processional. That would be a huge honor, or I would find it a huge honor to be able to sing in the candlelight processional because I do love all that music and um, all those songs that are within the program. When we were deciding that we wanted to do this candlelight processional episode, we decided that we thought it would be cool to have some actual clips of the songs from the show. Obviously we can't do all of them um, for time, if nothing else, and be able to discuss it. But like she said in her clip before this Becky Klein woman, uh, they just released the Neil Patrick Harris, one of the Neil Patrick Harris narrating candlelight processionals from 2019. And so I want to introduce the song, Oh Come All Ye Faithful from one of the 2019 performances last year at Epcot. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus.
I hope that you, that you enjoyed it, listeners. That is a Christmas carol that we enjoy every year. And I remember singing uh, when we went Christmas caroling around the neighborhoods. Again, something that I guess if we did it as a family for Christmas carol, but you really can't go in large groups to do Christmas caroling this year. But that might be something to cool to think about because you could social distance if you have. I mean, you could do it with two people, but that might be embarrassing for you. I don't know how people are. I mean, you almost have to be an extrovert. And even I am kind of shy when it comes to first meeting people. I know that's really hard for people to imagine now, but I'm, I've opened up a lot more and I'm, I'm sure that that's just from life experiences, but maybe that's something that people should think about doing. But anyway, Oh, coming out you faithful is a really great song and I really enjoy them doing it every year. And the thing that I think is cool because the choirs change up, you never really notice. It always has this grand entrance and this grand sound that makes you think it's the same people every year over and over again. And it's not, they even trade out within the season, within the Christmas season. Very cool. Can't really capture it in even an audio clip unless you're there, but it's as close as we're going to get, especially this year with the pandemic. So, all right, next up is the narration intro from again, Neil Patrick Harris and the song Il est né. It's a French carol and the main line of the chorus goes like this. Il est né, le dauphin enfant, which that's translated as he is born the heavenly child. And so let's take a listen. This is one of my favorites. I hum this one around the house a lot during the Christmas season. So here we go. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them.
like that song and I like that in in it captures a foreign language in music because that was such a big part of my college education was singing songs in other languages and um, some of them are so beautiful that because we can't hear because we can't understand all the words doesn't mean that we can't hear the message in that song and that is a song that's like that for me is um even though I don't speak French fluently even though I had French for two years and I know you guys had French longer Kaylee and you had many more semesters of it than I did the song transcends is what I'm trying to say yes and I think I do like it because I did have French so there are some things I can at least understand or at least try to translate. And then I'm like, oh, I got that right. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> I understand enfant, but uh, pretty much the other stuff I have to really like, I would really have to get like a dictionary and try to spend the time. <laughs> Thank goodness for me, I have the general idea. <laughs> I knew what il a was. It was he is, but I didn't know what nay was. And so nay is born. I didn't know. I had to look that up. So that makes sense now. He is born. The next song that we're going to give you a little clip of is Silent Night. This is a song that I think you hear just pretty much everywhere. So here it is, Silent Night. The story of the birth of Christ has been told and retold for over 2,000 years. About 200 years ago, in a small church in Austria, the organist Franz came to Joseph Moore and said, Father Joseph, the organ is broken, and we will have no music for the Christmas Eve service. <laughs> Later in the day, as Joseph made his rounds, he visited a home where a baby had just been born, and he thought about the birth of the baby Jesus. And he was so inspired that he wrote a poem, and he went back to the church and he found Franz. He said, if we can't have the old organ, maybe we can have a new song and you can play the guitar. And Franz said, Father, I only know three chords. <laughs> well, then three chords is all you'll need. So Franz hummed and strummed, and soon he had composed the most beautiful and beloved of all the Christmas carols.
That is probably my favorite Christmas Carol of all. I especially love this story, and I love that they share that every year because music doesn't have to be, although the whole program itself has a lot of grandeur in it, it can be quiet and peaceful, and it's still praising. Yeah, I think in all the busyness, we're so distracted now that sometimes it's good to just sit and be still. It can't be overstated. Sometimes it's best to just be still. Our final clip today is a classic. It's from Handel's Messiah, and it's called the Hallelujah Chorus. Vic, do you have anything you want to say about this one before we roll it? This is one of my favorite pieces. I sang this in high school choir and college choir, both both college choirs that I was in, my junior college and my and the University of Georgia. And then later as married adults, we sang this in the choir at church. And so it has a lot of special meanings for me in a lot of different times in my life, but it still, again, transcends. It's constant and it's, it's, sta- its meaning has the same thing every time you hear it, it doesn't change. And for me, I just, I can't get enough of it. And I sometimes, I know I sing it around the house just being silly, but I think it's because I know it has such a great meaning. It really does. So here it is, Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah from the Candlelight 2019 Epcot. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace.
Yep, that never gets old. I don't think there's a much better way to end the show today than when that one was a good one. I don't think so either. So a few final reminders before we sign off. If you are interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment, all you got to do is email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in booking a trip or you just want me to give you a free quote, all you have to do is email me at vicky, V-I-C-K-I-E dot black at yourstorytravel.com or you can call me at 636-373-4497. You only need $200 to hold a reservation for you and it's a refundable deposit if something wouldn't work out. So if you're really interested in going to the 50th anniversary and you're just not sure of the dates yet, I would encourage you to go ahead and book it now and put that $200 deposit just in case you really get to go. You can check us out on our social media accounts, yourstorytravel.com, our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, or on our Instagram, yourstorytravel underscore Vicky Black, V-I-C-K-I-E-B-L-A-C-K, all lowercase, no spaces. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, The Mousecapades Podcast. Well, Brad, I think it is about that time. Disney love. Just keep swimming. Have Have a a magical magical day, day, my friends. friends.